0: Prime members, you can listen to 60 minutes ad free on Amazon Music. Download the app today.
1: If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. This
2: spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
3: For weeks, 60 Minutes has been reporting on the fast-developing story of coronavirus variants.
4: That's the UK variant, which was, you can see here, was identified of, of dates back to about September of last year. And then all of a sudden you get a lot of these, right? And that's because it's more transmissible.
3: Tonight, you'll hear from leading researchers in the field about what we know about the variants and what science is doing right now to try to stop their spread.
5: The great city of St. Louis is divided. The north side is predominantly black. To the south, it's whiter and more affluent. The city's murder rate is at a 50-year high. And St. Louis has one of the highest rates of police shootings in the country, most of them against black citizens. King! Oh, King! Enter Kim Gardner, a progressive prosecutor who has very publicly taken on the powerful police union. So, right off the bat, you have not gotten along with the police union from no. day one.
6: The entire music industry will have their eyes fixed on the Grammys tonight. First, we wanted to introduce you to New Orleans' self-proclaimed best band in the land. So you could hear them and their story.
7: Thank you. Eddie's for a second.
2: I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Bill Whitaker. I'm Anderson Cooper.
6: I'm Sharon Alfonsi.
2: I'm Scott Pelley. Those stories and more tonight on 60
1: Minutes. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
5: Tonight, Dr. John LaPook on assignment for 60 Minutes.
3: Over 2 million Americans are receiving vaccinations every day, fueling hope the end of the pandemic is near. But since the SARS-CoV-2 virus emerged in Wuhan, China 14 months ago, Over 100 million people worldwide have been infected. And with each infection, the virus has had the chance to mutate into genetic offspring called variants. One of those variants, first identified in the UK, has spread across the U.S. and is estimated to be 50% more transmissible than the original virus, and likely more deadly. Nationwide, COVID-19 cases have fallen. But public health officials are warning if these variants continue to spread, They could trigger a new surge of infections. News the UK variant had reached American shores came last December at the University of California, San Diego.
8: You guys know the routine.
3: The variant was found as part of an extensive coronavirus surveillance and testing system that has kept nearly 25,000 people living and working on campus. Thank you. This
9: is exciting.
3: Vending machines designed to dispense candy bars now offer nasal swabs for COVID testing. And golf carts go on daily runs, collecting samples taken from wastewater.
0: Oh, there's the flu. There you go, do
4: you see it? Sure. So now if we pick this up...
3: Environmental engineer Smirthy Kartikeyan showed us how robots, placed near over 300 student dorms and research buildings, suck up sewer samples, looking for early evidence someone might be infected with the virus. And if there's a positive, what happens?
6: If there's a and they will send targeted notices, saying your building, the wastewater has been positive, and please go get tested.
3: Many positive samples from wastewater and nasal swabs are sent here, to nearby Scripps Research, where infectious disease researcher Christian Anderson's lab performs genetic sequencing to identify any variations.
4: It's really important that we keep an eye on the virus. How is it evolving? How is it transmitting? How is it changing?
3: Genetic sequences from around the world are constantly being analyzed in a database called Nextstrain that Anderson and other scientists use to visualize how variants are spreading.
4: These are beautiful colors, but yeah. what am I looking at? You can think of this as a family tree. And what we have is down here, this is the first one in Wuhan. Viruses mutate over time. You see mutations coming up and that's when you start getting these branching patterns. So then you have... Uh, sisters and brothers here, and then you have aunts and uncles. And-,
3: and what's the practical use of having a tree like this?
4: The practical use is that somebody like me can go in and just look at, like, how is this all related?
3: Since the original virus was first identified in December 2019, thousands of variants have been documented. Anderson says scientists are keeping a close eye on three of them they call variants of concern.
4: And that's the UK variant, which was, you can see here, was identified a of- dates back to about September of last year. And then, all of a sudden, you get a lot of these. And that's because it's more transmissible.
3: So transmissible, the Centers for Disease Control has projected the UK variant will be the dominant strain in the US in the next month. The variants from Brazil, seen in red, and South Africa, seen in orange, have already spread to dozens of countries, including the US. Variants arise because the SARS-CoV-2 virus is constantly making copies of itself. As it replicates, tiny mistakes or mutations can occur in its genetic code. They're rare and usually insignificant. But once in a while, one or more mutations team up to create a more dangerous variant
10: of the virus. We are reading evolution's lab notebook. Every time one of these pops up, it's telling us exactly how evolution benefits at the expense of the fitness of humankind.
3: Dr. Francis Collins, director of the National Institutes of Health, is a geneticist who 20 years ago oversaw the decoding of the human genome. He says he's surprised by how much this virus is evolving. Why are the variants of concern that we're seeing in places like the United
10: Kingdom, South Africa, and Brazil of such concern? It turns out that some of these mutations actually change the behavior of this virus in a way that makes it more infectious or more serious. And the evidence is that for both the B117, which is primarily seen in the UK, but increasingly in the US, and the South African B1351, that they are more transmissible. They're just really successful. We're seeing evolution in motion. I think it's been rarely seen as clearly as right now how evolution works. In that way, it was pretty predictable. What wasn't predictable for me anyway. Was that there would be so many copies of this virus that even a slow evolutionary process could, in just a matter of a few months, uh, produce some viruses that we're worried about. And there are so many copies because? It's a pandemic, and it's been very successful in infecting millions and millions of people.
11: These samples were were from the patient's
10: lung.
3: An early clue about how the virus was mutating came last summer at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Infectious disease specialist Dr. Gadi Haidar says a cancer patient with a compromised immune system came in with a COVID-19 infection that persisted for over 70 days, far beyond the typical few weeks.
11: We had no idea at the time that people could still be actively infectious for that long. And it really wasn't until after he passed away that we started running some additional testing on samples that he had allowed us to collect from him when he was alive. And that's when we found that the virus really quickly began to develop all these deletions and mutations throughout the patient's life.
3: This electron microscope image shows a sample taken from the patient's windpipe. Tiny spheres looked like the original virus from Wuhan, China. But genetic sequencing revealed a different story. There were small gaps where information should be. Irish-born University of Pittsburgh virologist Paul Dupre says the UK variant has some of these same deletions, leading some scientists to believe it may have started in an immunocompromised patient. When you have a patient who is sick for so long, there's the opportunity for the virus to replicate and replicate and replicate. And every time a virus has
9: that opportunity to replicate, there's also an opportunity for it to make a mistake, right? And that's how viruses change. Those mistakes, give the virus just a little bit of a competitive edge. For example, can it get into a cell better? Duprey sure says that. yes.
3: He used this been animation been to been show ever, us how. Your... It starts with the spike protein, seen in red, which the virus uses to latch onto and enter a human cell.
9: So if you've been infected, you'll make antibodies, these blue molecules that bind to the outside of the virus spike. And what they do is they block the virus getting into the cell. They can't bind the receptor. Now, here's a variant, the yellow, illustrating the variant. The antibodies can no longer bind, the virus is able to attach to that receptor, latch on, and bingo, that person gets infected. Is there anything we can do to stop the virus from mutating so much? We can certainly Uh, stop it making as many mutations by stopping it infecting as many people. If we block its transmission, if we wear a mask, if we get vaccinated, if we do social distancing, so there's a practical thing that we can do. But physically, biologically, is there something that we can do? Is there a magic bullet that we can shoot at it that stops it making mutations?
3: Nope. To understand the threat posed by mutations, public health experts are studying the Brazilian city of Manaus. Last spring, COVID swept through the population, leaving about 70% infected. As a result, some researchers believe the city had reached herd immunity. But then, starting this past December, epidemiologists suspect thousands were reinfected with the Brazilian variant. Hospitals there were overwhelmed. Health officials reported up to 150 deaths a day. And a recent study suggests the variant is more infectious than earlier strains, and may be better at evading antibodies.
12: We had a cluster of cases that... At
3: Columbia see. University Irving Medical yeah. Center, Dr. Yeah. David Ho, known for his groundbreaking yeah. HIV yeah. research, is now working to identify which variants are present in New York City. Since January, his team has analyzed over 2,000 nasal swabs taken from people who had tested positive for COVID-19.
12: What was unexpected was there were only sporadic cases the UK Brazilian and South African variants. But instead, we noticed that we had a homegrown variant. Something new. Something new that was dominating uh, and rising very rapidly. How rapidly is it growing? It's over 20%.
3: Over 20%. So that's a rapid rise in the last couple of months. Dr. Ho says the New York City variant is doubling roughly every two weeks. And city health officials announced this past week they found the variant in 39% of the COVID-19 samples they recently sequenced. Dr. Ho is concerned because that variant shares a key mutation with one found in South Africa. Several studies have looked at the effectiveness of the three vaccines authorized in the U.S. against that South African variant, both in laboratory tests and clinical trials the vaccines appear to be somewhat less effective at eliciting an immune response or preventing infection. But the companies anticipate the vaccines will still provide protection from severe disease from that South African variant. What people are worried about is, I got a vaccine, I thought I was safe, and now you're talking about all these variants. Where am I? I'm in the same boat. I got
12: vaccinated and I felt protected for a while until we realized there was so much of the homegrown variant uh, in New York. How do you put this in perspective for people who are watching this right now? I, I think we have to be a-, a bit concerned, but that doesn't say the vaccines don't work. Uh, even in South Africa, the vaccines still work to some extent, it's just not as uh, highly protective as we had against the original strain. In addition, the vaccine may not protect against infection, but may protect against disease or
3: death. Dr. Collins says so far the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines appear effective against the UK variant. And this past week, a small laboratory study found the Pfizer vaccine elicited the same strong immune response against the Brazilian variant as against the original virus. Drug companies say they are working to retool their vaccines and create booster shots as needed to keep up with the variants.
10: What keeps you up at night in terms of the variants down the line? If I have an anxiety, it's that something worse than the South African variant is out there that will get to the point where the vaccines no longer appear to be fully protective against a bad outcome. And that will certainly drive us then uh, to do a redesign of the vaccines as quick as we can. Recently, a variant
3: has been found in New York City that has some of the
10: characteristics of the variant of concern found in South Africa. I'm not, on the surface of it, overly alarmed about that, but it's going to deserve a real lab experiment to make sure that our vaccines would still provide immunity against that. There's a
3: ton of political, economic, and other pressure to have these vaccines be successful. Is the government committed to being totally transparent about these variants, about whether or not the vaccines are working, or is there some kind of a filter?
10: There cannot be a filter. I will not stand for that, neither will Dr. Fauci. Uh, and absolutely, if we ever come across as having the truth of the matter distorted by what is politically or economically convenient, then we will have lost the public trust. Dr. Collins says, right
3: now, we have a window of opportunity.
10: A little poke in your arm, ready?
3: And that Americans need to get vaccinated, avoid large gatherings, and wear masks to prevent the virus
10: from spreading and mutating even more. To continue to hear that this isn't over yet has got to be a hard thing uh, for all of us. I don't want to sound so pessimistic, though. We are making amazing progress. We just got to hang on and don't blow it at the end. If you're the guy running for the finish line, don't trip right there on the 10-yard line. Try to get all the way to the goal. We, we can see it. We are going to get there. But this is not the moment to relax or stop running hard.
5: This past week, former officer Derek Chauvin went on trial in Minneapolis, accused of the murder of George Floyd. Watching On a Knife Edge is St. Louis, Missouri, where demands for police reform have been growing since 2014, when Michael Brown, an unarmed black teen, was shot dead by a white cop in a nearby suburb. St. Louis has one of the highest rates of police shootings in the country, and black mistrust of police runs deep. So when an African-American woman won the top prosecutor's job, first in 2016 and again this past November, many hoped for change. Kim Gardner, a Democrat in a red state, promised to hold police to account Instead, she has run into relentless opposition from the police union and its powerful allies. We went to St. Louis
0: to find out what happens when a reformer takes on the status quo. We as law enforcement have to hear the cries for help in the community and deliver. And that's why I'm not gonna back down. That's why I'm not gonna kiss the ring of the status quo to keep it a certain way.
5: Inside the old St. Louis courthouse, where enslaved African-Americans once sued for their freedom, Kim Gardner felt the weight of expectations to keep her promise and rebuild the justice system around fairness.
0: Because it's about the will of the people and the people of the city of St. Louis overwhelmingly voted me in to do my job, to reform a system that we all know is beyond repair and needs to be dismantled and rebuilt.
5: What is at stake here?
0: The integrity of the whole criminal justice system.
5: She went right to work. She stopped locking up nonviolent offenders, dropped low-level drug cases, and ended cash bail, a system that hit black citizens hardest. But less than a year into the job, her hopes of building trust in police suffered a setback. Jason Stockley, a white officer here on the left, was charged with the murder of a black man, a drug suspect who fled. Dashcam video caught Stockley swearing to kill him, Moments later, he did. Only one gun was found. It was covered with Stockley's DNA and none of the victims. Stockley claimed self-defense and was acquitted. Our street!
7: Our street!
5: Protesters poured into the streets. Years of mistrust and rage boiled over.
7: Whoa, 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 whoa! Puss ass white, white boy! Puss ass white boy.
5: The clashes triggered dozens of police brutality lawsuits. Text messages released in court showed some officers spoiling for a fight. Let's whoop some ass, texted one. It's going to be fun beating the hell out of these heads, read another. Kim Gardner told us, for many St. Louisans, the Stockley verdict reinforced a belief that city police often act with impunity. She called on City Hall to fund an independent team to investigate
0: police shootings. It
5: made her instant enemies. So right off the bat, you have not gotten along with the police union from day one.
0: We work well with everyday police officers every day, but what we have is the police union who, who basically injects fear and misinformation in the police department.
5: The union called her a cop-hater and successfully lobbied to torpedo her reforms at City
0: Hall. It's gone downhill from there. This is not all police. This is not everyone in the system believes this, but we have to have the good people stand up because silence is also complicit agreement with this type of behavior.
5: St. Louis is a city divided. The north side is predominantly black. Manufacturing jobs have gone. It has some of the poorest neighborhoods in the country. But cross to the south, it's like a different city. Whiter, more affluent. There are private gated communities. Like the McCloskey's neighborhood. The couple vaulted to national attention last summer when they brandished guns at Black Lives Matter protesters. When Kim Gardner charged the couple with unlawful use of weapons, she came in for a storm of criticism. The McCloskeys pleaded not guilty.
0: I was sent emails that said I should be hung up by a tree, by the KKK.
5: This is just from, like, the last week, a week's worth of hate mail. Mm-hmm. This one, the subject line is racist. You racist piece of <laughs> I wish someone would put a bullet in your head. Is this common?
0: Unfortunately, it is when it comes to me.
5: Another one. I hope people destroy your neighborhood, threaten your family, and more you porch monkey. What do you think when you open up your mail and you have something like this?
0: Well, I think about the people who paved the way for me to even be in this position.
5: Some of these are death threats. Does that frighten you?
0: Well, you know, I signed up for this, but what frightens me is now that it's, it's calls to my family and I'm afraid that a loved one Maybe harmed because I took this job.
5: Kim Gardner grew up above her family's funeral home in North St. Louis. She got a degree in nursing, but switched to law after her brother was sentenced to 17 years in prison for robbing a neighbor's house. Crime and tough punishment are an all too familiar part of life on the North Side.
0: Let's start addressing the pain. Let's start addressing and really understanding the communities. And those people are hardworking individuals who are not anti-police. but At the same time, they want fairness and justice under the laws.
5: People say that you are the prosecutor for black St.
0: Louis. I protect all people in the city of St. Louis. And I'm not just a prosecutor for African-American people.
8: We have an out-of-control murder rate and an out-of-control violent crime rate. That's what's unfair.
0: Jeff Rorda has been the public
5: face of the police union for a decade. Choosing his words carefully, he told us Kim Gardner is in over her head.
8: She's a prosecutor that uh, you know, wants to second-guess everything law enforcement does and, and find fault when there's no fault to find.
5: So Kim Gardner is the problem?
8: She's not the only problem by any stretch of the imagination. But she's not a, she's not a partner with law enforcement.
5: One, talk, But away from our cameras on talk radio, Jeff Rorto was
8: less restrained. I keep hearing this nonsense about she has this criminal justice reform agenda. It's, it's just amnesty for the, the most vicious criminals in America. We're the deadliest city in America. And she thinks that the problem is we're not nice enough to murderers and heroin dealers and rapists.
5: A former suburban cop, Jeff Rorder, was fired in 2001 for falsifying a police report. On the fifth anniversary of Michael Brown's death, Rorta tweeted, Happy Alive Day for the white officer who shot the black teen. Rorta told us it was to show solidarity with police who he says are being vilified all across the country.
8: What we found is that in the vast majority of these cases, it's the aggression on the other side of that encounter that results in deadly force being used.
5: We've seen the videos. George Floyd wasn't doing anything aggressive. Breonna Taylor was in her bed.
8: So a lot of this is problems with with training, with police policies, and that's a problem we ought to be addressing.
5: St. Louis has by far the largest number of police shootings in the country, per capita. Why is that?
8: Well, We don't shoot Bill, we shoot back. I mean, we... We live in a very violent city, and I don't think it should surprise anybody that sometimes the police who are trying to disrupt that violence become the victim of that violence.
5: Despite Kim Gardner's mandate, she's had a rocky run. Her reforms triggered a record turnover of attorneys on her staff. St. Louis's murder rate is at a 50-year high. State Republican lawmakers blame her and tried to strip away her authority. In an unprecedented move, she sued Jeff Rorta, the police union, and the city, using the Reconstruction-era Ku Klux Klan Act to claim a racist conspiracy was preventing her from doing her job.
0: We are not going to back down.
5: More than 60 law enforcement officers signed a statement backing Gardner. Six black women prosecutors flew in to support
8: her. We've been arresting people and locking them up and arresting people and locking them up for decades, and it hasn't worked, and it's not working. So it's time to do something different.
5: Megan Green told us she hears complaints about police from her constituents in the more affluent South. One of a handful of reformers on city council, she knows what Kim Gardner is facing. When Green questioned the police budget, the union mounted a campaign to unseat her.
8: It was to send a message to other elected officials, like, don't you dare. You know, don't you be talking about how much money goes into the police department. Because if you do, this is what we're going to do to you.
5: So what is the prognosis for reform?
8: It's really difficult. They fight reform tooth and nail. And the tactics used to, um, you know, against elected officials are designed to quell dissent. And I think that it scares a lot of folks.
13: I wish there was an easy fix to this thing, but I think it's gonna take a lot of people crossing the aisle and and changing. We met Sergeant
5: Robert Ogilvie in North St. Louis, his beat before he quit the force in August. After 30 years, he had become disillusioned.
13: I believe that most of the officers that come out of the academy, they all have the the same heart that I did coming out. They they wanna come out here and do a good job. But reality out here is this, you're basically judged by how, how, how well you are at making arrests. That's the bottom line. You couldn't stomach being a policeman anymore? Yeah, I couldn't do it anymore. I, I, I was seeing the same thing over and over again. It just gets, it gets too much for me.
5: Just as the city is divided black and white, so Robert Ogilvy told us is the way justice is meted out. He says police patrol with a heavier hand on the north side, and that has to change. So he has joined Kim Gardner's reform program to keep black youth out of prison. Rorta says he's all for reform.
13: <laughs> okay. You laugh. Well, I'd, I'd like to see him do it. I'd like, to, I'd like to see him step up and do something. I'd like to see what his version of, of reform is. You think he's part of the problem? I, I think he's part of the problem, yes. I think the, whole, the system as a whole is a problem. Case in
5: point, hundreds of racist slurs were found on Facebook posted by 43 St. Louis police officers. There were also modified images of the vigilante Punisher, a blue line added for police. Jeff Rorda told us the incident was overblown.
8: Now, many of those, uh, all they had was, like, comic book care, like The Punisher, or, you know, something benign like that.
5: We do know that The Punisher image is being used by white supremacists.
8: Well, I mean doesn't mean that that's why the officer put it up there. I mean, it means different things. What
5: kind of message does that send to the black citizens of St. Louis?
8: I mean, I think that that's, you know, a very small percentage of the members I represent.
5: Two officers were fired for the Facebook posts. Kim Gardner put the rest on an exclusion list, blocking them from pursuing cases or testifying in court. She told us she couldn't trust their work was unbiased. The police union says the exclusion list is dangerous, the reason being that they say it means that fewer cases will get to court.
0: Well, that's simply false. The police union is so out of touch with reality that listening to them is, is just not even productive.
5: Just as we finished speaking with Kim Gardner, word came her lawsuit claiming a racist conspiracy had been dismissed, the judge called it nothing more than a compilation of personal slights, but Gardner told us it won't stop her. The voters of St. Louis have called for reform, and she intends to deliver.
6: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Tonight, musicians will hope to hear their names announced as winners at the Grammy Awards. But thousands of miles away from the ceremony, one group has already claimed the title Best Band in the Land, the St. Augustine High School Marching Band. The New Orleans band has always been one of the biggest crowd pleasers of Mardi Gras. But this year, the parades did not roll. We wondered if the band had been muted as well. We went to New Orleans to see and found a story and a band we thought you should hear.
7: All right, here we go. Hold up. One, two.
6: One, two, one! The St. Augustine High School Marching Band needs no introduction in New Orleans. The drums and horns have echoed through the city since the band was founded in 1952. But like any aging instrument, it was in need of a tune-up.
7: All right, bad last note. The whole stadium heard that.
6: Enter Ray Johnson. Do it again. He was hired as the new band director last summer, and he isn't wasting time with pleasantries. Can you tell if they've been practicing?
7: Uh, yes, I can. Everything has to be precise. The marching, the precision, standing correctly.
6: And can you hear it if one of them is up? I can, yes. And will you call them out on that?
7: I sure will. (laughs) In New Orleans, marching band is a culture. Just like in some places, they have football as a culture. But here in this city, they live, breathe, eat, sleep, everything marching band.
6: St. Aug, as it's known, is one of the few predominantly black all-boys Catholic high schools in the country. It sits in New Orleans' 7th Ward, seven blocks from the Mississippi River. Not the part of the city usually found on postcards. The school is surrounded by reminders of a city forever rebuilding. Don't rush! And here, Ray Johnson is rebuilding too. Accent! The best band in the land is more of a mission statement these days. I
7: got wrong notes coming from over here.
6: Since Hurricane Katrina flooded the school in 2005, it's been a long haul. The music library is still a temporary trailer on the blacktop.
7: School didn't come back the same, and instruments, we didn't have enough, and the uniforms were damaged. So we had to uh, rebuild everything. And just now, we were beginning to see the fruits of our labor, and then here comes COVID.
6: How many kids are in the band now?
7: On the roll, I have 85.
6: Where would you like that number to be?
7: 150.
6: 150 allows for a full band and a deep bench. For decades, they easily hit that number. On a sizzling hot blacktop over the summer, hundreds of students would try out for a spot. The competition was fierce. Many of the kids had grown up playing music. Ray Johnson was one of them. Would you have ever skipped practice back in the 80s?
7: Oh, no, ma'am. No, not at all. If you, if you skip practice, they, you got got ten dudes lined up to take your spot.
6: They were a powerhouse. St. Augustine played for eight presidents and a pope. The band's founder, Edwin Hampton, was a no-nonsense disciplinarian who created the band's signature style.
7: Most marching bands, what they call show bands, they might dance or play popular music. The difference that set St. Augustine apart we played popular music, but we had a military style.
6: That meant eyes forward and chins up no matter what. Pristine uniforms, perfect lines, and gravity-defying knees would whip Mardi Gras crowds into a frenzy. Let's go, of Gras! Woo! In 1960, Ruby Bridges famously desegregated New Orleans public schools. Seven years later, St. Augustine desegregated Mardi Gras parades. Band members say they were urinated on as they passed under balconies. Dr. Kenneth St. Charles is the school's president. So
12: they had people throwing things at them. They had to not respond. They had people yelling obscenities to them. They could not respond. It's a lot to ask of a young guy. It's a lot to ask of a 14, 15, 16-year-old kid to not retaliate. You know, we teach them as we do in our Christian faith, turn the other cheek.
6: Dr. St. Charles knows the discipline required in those moments. In 1981, he and his classmate, Ray Johnson, were marching in a Mardi Gras parade for St. Augustine when an adult who was chaperoning the band got into a scuffle with a plainclothes police officer. The officer pulled his gun.
7: And then the gun went off. And all of a sudden, Police started showing up on horseback. The band got disarrayed and stuff like that. So one of our baritone players said, Ray, you have blood on your uniform. And that's when I started feeling the pain inside of my face here. So that's where the bullet went in my jaw and came out the back of my neck.
6: You didn't realize you'd been shot?
7: I didn't know I was shot. One police officer was trying to give me first aid. So he said, look, he said, I got to cut this uniform off you to see if you're hitting anywhere else. And I said, hold up. I said, you can't cut this uniform. I said, it has buttons on it. I can take it off.
6: Why didn't you want him to cut the uniform? Well,
7: I knew that if this man cut this uniform, uh, Mr. Hampton would probably kill me.
6: After college, Johnson returned to St. Augustine, where he worked as an assistant to Edwin Hampton for 11 years before leaving to teach at another school. Hampton stayed for another 12 years until he passed away in 2009. Without him, some at St. Augustine thought the band had lost its edge. Ray Johnson was hired back to sharpen it.
14: For me, it was like, dude, you're about to fall deep into the rituals of the tradition. Ray is like the essence of St. Aug.
6: Bryce Miller played the trumpet under Hampton, the band's founder, and Johnson, in the 90s. His son Bryce, a sophomore, was a familiar name on Johnson's roster.
14: He already knew who I was because of my dad, so he expected a lot from me. Now having my son participating, not only in the band, but with your band director, it was a beautiful thing.
6: Beautiful might not be the way some of the teenagers would describe the introduction.
7: Now, y'all want to meet the real Mr. Johnson? Y'all want to meet the real Mr. Johnson? If y'all going to say y'all the best band, y'all got to prove it.
6: Senior Cabrell Johnson and eighth grader Lawrence Honoré are part of the drum line. Honoré wasn't much bigger than his snare drum when he decided he wanted to play for St. Augustine.
7: Put your heels together, Mr. Honoré. Tell
6: me your heels impression together, of sir. Mr.
0: Ray. I think he's pretty nice. He can be feisty at sometimes, but that's all discipline. What do you mean feisty? Like, he yells, but... uh,
6: He yells out of passion.
7: Everything has to be sharp. So trumpet, what's going on now? I need y'all to play it every time. That's how y'all gonna get good at it.
6: When I'm sitting here talking to you, you're so almost soft-spoken, and you see you out there on the blacktop, Mm -hmm. and it gets up a level. Right. That's by design.
7: I want you to be out your comfort zone because I need you to pay attention. And when you pay attention, you learn.
6: Few minutes into practice, and it's clear the band's program isn't just designed to produce good musicians; it's part of the school's larger mission to produce good men.
7: Y'all look good, man. Great job. I'm proud of y'all. Thank you.
14: That's the history of this of this school. Your teachers are strong, intellectual black men. And your coaches, strong, intellectual black men. Your band director, strong, intellectual black men. So you see that wide range, that wide display of again black male. Success.
6: The school preaches discipline, and the band demands it. The only way to achieve St. Augustine's signature military formations is to stay in line and make sure the guy next to you is too.
13: Where's my temple at? I need to hear. Pick up them
6: Tell me about Mr. Ray. What has he done for the band?
7: One year ago is not the same band you see today. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. It was a little, little bit less discipline But now, if you move, you will be. You're going to have them push-ups after that parade. Wait,
6: if you move, you have to do push-ups?
7: Oh, most definitely.
6: Do people try to get your attention?
7: Oh, they do. I remember my cousin has tried, my mother has tried. So you just have
6: to be eyes forward? You have forward. to be locked in. Right now, nothing seems to be moving in New Orleans. The pandemic has shuttered the city. Even Bourbon Street seems to have sobered up. It's your
13: responsibility to learn.
6: St. Augustine has bounced between in-person and virtual learning all year long.
7: We can't decide what God is going to do. If he say everything shut down, everything shuts down.
6: When band practice was canceled for a week, then a month, Lawrence Honoré improvised. When their high school football game was nearly flooded, the entire band called an audible. Shook the stadium from below, and when they learned Mardi Gras parades were canceled,
7: I don't know why y'all coming. Why I like it?
6: Lee Johnson didn't miss a beat. Boom. Boom. boom, 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 boom.
7: Well, it's hard because it's a tradition. You know, just like anything else, you know, you got to suck it up and keep moving.
6: That's what Bryce Miller is doing. He is a professional musician. When the city shut down in March, his work dried up he started volunteering with the band. Before this, you know, your dad was busy all the time, right? Now you're seeing a lot more of him because of the pandemic. What's that been like for you?
14: Like, I'm actually proud of him because he's also kind of struggling. You know, he's a professional position. He can't do none of that Jazz Fest, can't do anything. But he really loves what he does, but he loves his family more. I want him to be the best, the most successful that he can possibly be. I don't want him to become a statistic in any way. That's the realism of raising a black boy and raising a black boy in a city like Lawrence.
6: That realism doesn't take holidays off. Lawrence Honoré's good friend, who attended a different school, was recently killed walking out of a store.
0: On Christmas night, he had got caught in a crossfire, and he had shot him in the head.
6: And how old is he? Fourteen. The same age as Honoré. He played at his buddy's funeral, and then his mom drove him straight to band practice. With just about everything canceled this year, it's hard for anyone to find a reason to get dressed. But that's exactly why Ray Johnson had the band do it anyway. And then directed them to march through the neighborhood. The route lacked the grandeur of a Mardi Gras parade. but locals poured onto their porches anyway. Even when they're a little scratchy and a lot loud, it is a joyful sound in the 7th Ward.
13: I think
12: when people heard us starting to practice again and the students coming back, it it gave a sense of okay, things are getting better.
7: I think it's so good that the band marches around the block because I feel like that is is St. Nog, that is New Orleans.
9: Yeah,
0: that's what people need nowadays because of the pandemic. They need something to cheer them up.
6: They march down the block, hanging a right at Hope Street, Ray Johnson behind them at every step.
5: Now, an update on a story we reported last month called SolarWinds, a Russian plot sabotaged software used by 18,000 computer networks. At least nine government agencies are still trying to figure out which emails and files are in Russian hands. Hundreds of U.S. tech companies were also compromised, including Microsoft. Its president, Brad Smith, told us the hack was historic. This is the largest and most sophisticated attack the world has ever seen. Now, an even broader breach. Hackers used vulnerabilities in Microsoft's Exchange server, its calendar and email service, to access hundreds of thousands of networks. Intelligence agencies this time suspect China. I'm Bill
2: Whitaker. We'll be back next week with another edition of 60 Minutes. If you like 60 Minutes, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey
11: Teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts